The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California. Streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about living presence, and that's the name of this wonderful book that I've been reading, and it's called Living Presence, the Sufi Path to Mindfulness and the Essential Self. And there are some beautiful, beautiful statements and poems in here. And it is by Kabir Helminski. And I want to tell you a little bit about him. And he has a a wonderful background. He's been recognized as one of the most skilled and authentic translators of Rumi, a beautiful uh, mystic poet from uh, Persian. And he is a spiritual teacher recognized by Rumi's tradition, the Melfi, Mef-Levi order. While he has been named one of the 500 most influential Muslims in the world, he considers his most important contribution to be expressing the universal and practical aspects of spiritual development. Kabir is also a spiritual activist, regularly writing for the Huffington Post, the Times of India, Patheos.com, and Tikkun. His books have been translated into at least nine languages. And we are just thrilled that he is joining us today. So thank you so much, Kabir. This is such a beautiful book. I am just loving it. Uh, thank you, Mari. Well, one of the poems that I like the best of Rumi that you have in your chapter 28, I'd like to read it and have you comment on it. You know, the name of our show is Fighting for Love, and it just touched my heart and thought it would do the same for our listeners. So it's called Love the Transformer. Love is reckless, not reason. Reason seeks a prophet. Love comes on strong, consuming herself, unabashed. Yet in the midst of suffering, love proceeds like a millstone, hard-surfaced and straightforward. Having died to self-interest, she risks everything and asks for nothing. Love gambles away every gift God bestows. And that was by Rumi. Just beautiful. Mm. So Yes, is that where it ends? It ends there in the book. There's a couple more lines that come to mind. Love gambles away every gift God bestows. Mm. God gave us being without cause. Give it back again. Gambling yourself away is beyond any religion. Religion seeks grace and favor, but those who gamble these away are God's favorites. Mm. Neither put God to the test nor knock at the door of gain and loss. Mm. So that's. I'm glad I remember that. It's also one of my favorites, and it's, I have it memorized. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. 
Yeah, what an incredible mystic he was, right? Mm. Oh, so so connected to spirit. So yeah, you you this is that chapter on that the creative force and um, love is everything, right? It's the beginning and it's the end and it's the road between. Mm. And uh, you know, Rumi said when I tried to uh, write about love, the nib of my pen broke. When I tried to talk about love, I felt like a donkey slipping on a muddy trail. <laughs> <laughs> Only love can explain itself and the mysteries of love. Mm. And yet, and yet, I mean, look at his work, you know, 50,000 lines of basically, I think it could be called ultimately the, the knowledge of love. Mm. Love is not just emotion. It's not, uh, you know, it's not, um, since it is, has to do with the whole meaning of life and, and what we find most valuable and precious in life. Hmm. It needs not. It needs a kind of knowledge to do it justice. He says, "No ignorant person ever sat on the throne of love." Hmm. So humanity needs a knowledge of love to really to understand. First of all, that it is the transformer of everything. And um, as I reflected on this, and why is it that you can't, in a sense, though we have this vast knowledge of love that you find as you begin to, you know, really sort of uh, work with Rumi and, and begin to give him the time he truly deserves, he wrote so much. But ultimately, the reason why it's impossible to explain love, I think, is because in order to explain something, you need something else more comprehensive, more subtle, you know, something uh, greater than it with which to explain it. Mm. If love, in fact, is the explanation, is the final explanation of everything, uh, maybe that's why we can't explain it adequately and completely. Yeah, no. it's it's the ultimate connection, right? It's the ultimate unity of the universe. So beautiful. I, yeah. You know what my favorite Rumi statement is being a a mediator and a conflict resolver is um, out beyond the field of right and wrong. There's a, or out beyond, what is it? I Now I forgot it. Just trying to think of it. Out beyond the right and wrong, there's a field. I'll meet you there. <laughs> yes, I, I know that one. It, I love, I didn't say it right, but I got the essence of it. And um, Give I, one translation of it, if you like. And I'll yeah. Because there are a few, but I'll give, you're probably thinking of the one by Coleman Barks, which is very beautiful. Uh, out beyond ideas of right doing and wrong doing, yeah. there, there's a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, even the words you and I no longer have meaning. Mm. Something like that, right? Yeah, I love it. I love it. And I have it written down in one of my books that I carry around with me as a mediator because people are claiming they're right or wrong, right? And so that one I always thought was so beautiful. There is that place beyond that field of it. So, mm. Yes, yes. So let's talk you know, about your book. I, I just It's such a beautiful, beautiful book. Let's talk about presence and what it really means. Mm, yes, yes. Well, it is the sort of open door uh, to all that's most valuable in human life. And presence is, it's not just a nice sort of vague term that can be, I mean, it can be used in many ways. When we hear it, sometimes we think, well, that actor has a certain presence, you know, mm -hmm. being. We, re we all instinctively recognize something like that. 
Um, but we also mean something very specific uh, that distinguishes it from the kind of everyday consciousness or lack of it <laughs> that most of us right, right. live in most of the time. Mm-hmm. Well, or, you know, are conscious in the sense that, you know, you're conscious if you're awake, you're not asleep, you know, and if somebody knocks you on the head, you'll feel it. Um, but by presence, we mean a, a state above that very ordinary common functioning in which we can be um, comprehensively aware simultaneously of our thoughts, our feelings, our bodily sensations and behaviors. Normally we're locked in maybe too far thoughts, we're thinking our thoughts, or we're feeling our emotions, or we're, you know, feeling, is my body comfortable, am I in pain, Mm -hmm. pleasure? Uh, We're usually in one of those functions. You know, there is the idea of mindfulness, and I put mindfulness into the title because people would recognize it. But I see presence in a way as something like mindfulness plus. (laughs) (laughs) On steroids. (laughs) Mindfulness plus heartfulness, uh, a state that encompasses all aspects of our being at the same time. And we can give people an experience of it, uh, and here's how we can do it. Okay. I can say to you and your listeners right now, right at this moment, first of all, and I'm going to run through this quickly. Okay. And if we were in a workshop or something, I would take time. But I'll say, first of all, uh, Mari, become aware of your breath. Mm -hmm. Got that? Okay. At the same time, can you be aware of some part of your body, maybe your hands, maybe your hands and your arms, and and slowly let that sensation in hands and arms fill up through the whole of your body. So Mm -hmm. quickly, you're aware, you're experiencing, Mari, you're in a body. Right. And are you still aware that you're breathing? Yes. You're breathing, Mm -hmm. aware of your body. Now, if we could be really still for a moment, you might be able to take a step back step back in, deep inside yourself and watch your thoughts move by. There are thoughts, and there probably are. Mm-hmm. And also take a kind of snapshot of your emotional state right now. Maybe, you know, you're a little, a little bit of anticipation, maybe happiness to be working and talking with somebody about something you're interested in. Mm-hmm. Put all of that together, your thoughts, your emotional state, your bodily sensations, <sighs> your breath. Now, I'm just going to add one thing to that. I have this... I trust that you know that we live in a spiritual reality. Would you agree to that? Yes, that yes. We, you know, that in addition to all of this, there's something else. There's some infinite interconnectedness. Be aware of that as well. Mm. All of that together is what we mean by presence. Mm. And in a way, the key to it, you could say it starts with the breath. That's the easy way. You could start with sensation. You could start in meditation, and but as we add all of this together into that comprehensive awareness and live it and, and know that we can practice this in a kind of meditation, but we can also get up from our you know meditation cushion and go out into life and go to a mediation session and be in that state of, of comprehensive awareness, which also, by the way, because you're not just locked into your little ego self and your, its thoughts and reactions, mm-hmm. you, you now have a presence that I'm imagining you in the work that you do in court. Uh, Mari's presence has now grown beyond Mari's physical body and now is encompassing the other people she's working with. And what kind of difference could that make? Can you imagine? Mm. And if, if something miraculous that could happen in that state, 
mm-hmm. who uh, begin to fill the room with presence or, you know, feel this, uh, uh, there's maybe a, a conflict going on and somehow you surround that conflict with a sense of presence and maybe something might shift. Mm-hmm. Um, but it begins with this self-awareness, this comprehensive self-awareness, and then it moves even beyond until we get to the point, and excuse me for sounding a bit mystical here, but this could be purely experiential, we find that in this state of presence, we begin to sense as we practice it, as we sustain it, that that presence that we at first think of as our own is some way sourced in a great ocean of presence that we're a part of. Mm-hmm. And we're just being responsible for our part of it, awakening into it ourselves and enjoying the benefits of that, strengthening all of our human faculties with that, and and also transforming our very sense of self. Mm. We're always going to have a sense of self. We're always going to have some sense of I, except perhaps in certain very rare and temporary mystical states. Mm. But in general, we're always going to have a sense of I, but what quality of I will we have? Will it be an I sort of uh, imprisoned by compulsions and or addictions or you know, negative states, or is it going to be a, a, state, a balanced state of a healthy self? Or could it be uh, this state of awakened presence in which we are both living our individual human life, but now there's a, a heartfulness accompanying our life and a heartfulness bridging uh, ourselves and others in relationship. You see what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I think how I, how I, how I feel it and see it is I'm the observer and the observed at the same time. Well said. And and I'm I see that presence as energy. Mm-hmm. It is. And so that energy, if my energy is present and I'm aware of it and I stay aware of it and I'm with you and you and I are in that awareness, um, we share that energy, right? Share that energy, absolutely. And do you think that there, in your experience, do you, do you notice that there are different, shall we say, um, different kinds of energy, some yes. subtle and powerful and some kind of more dense and, you know, and and you think that perhaps in this practice of awakening presence and this awareness that the quality of energy might shift to something very fine and perhaps beautiful? Oh, yeah. You know, when I walk into a room, I don't go to court anymore. I bring people in to stay out of court. But when I walk into a room with a bunch of people who are in conflict, you can... I set the energy before I walk in there, you know, before they come in. I, I send that energy out into the room. Um, I, I have nice snacks. I have um, a bell, an Asian bell that I ring. <laughs> and I, I have an intention to set the energy I'm of, hearing you, you know, of positiveness, right? I just lost you for oh really wow maybe maybe fifteen twenty seconds oh um, um, I I so. I don't know can you hear me now I hear you now the yeah. last thing that I said when when it went blank was I was talking about a finer quality of energy yes asking you if, if that's in your the realm of your experience. Yes, um, and I feel when I'm in with people who with conflict, I was saying that the energy is heavy when I walk in with clients, and then as I am the observer and focused on my presence and my peace, you know, my peacefulness in myself, 
and my positive energy, sometimes using humor and just kind of shifting my energy, that it is contagious with them. Yes, beautifully said. And I have a chap- chapter in the book that I call The Dance of Personality, and I relate personality to presence in this way. When presence is awakened, we have that observation point, or that witness, um, and it also gives us a, a perspective on our personality so that our personality, in a sense, becomes a conscious tool. We have a flexibility, uh, a wider range of behavioral possibilities, and even uh, freedom of emotion that we don't have when we're just locked into our egos. So it gives a kind of mastery uh, that you know allows the personality to be perhaps uh, flexible or beautified, or it, it allows the personality to be used as needed appropriately, and that's what I think you just described. Um, yeah, it, it's it is something that each one of us has to work on because there's there's so much negativity around us that we have to keep reminding ourselves to be present to to recognize that that peaceful place within us at least for me i have to do that when i'm around others i have to say i have to be i have to have my observer remind me <laughs> that i need to get back into that space that you had me in a few minutes ago when you had me, you know, breathe and feel my body. I have to go back into my body and breathe to get back to that place. It's easy to be thrown off, right? That's right. That's right. So this becomes a lifelong practice. It becomes a dynamic meditation and relationship. And uh, that's why, you know, I wrote this book to sort of highlight presence as a key to all you could call it spiritual practice, but I could just as well say it's key to our humanness. For me, you know, spirituality is not just some minor department or exclusive department of life. It's it's part of, of our whole human situation. And yes. It, it's through presence that we uh, incorporate or we, we bring into the present moment and our this human dimension, we bring in qualities that sort of exist in this wider field of existence. And uh, I know this may sound a little abstract to some people, but I think the more you live in presence, the more real it becomes when you realize that we live in a qualitative universe. We live in a universe that has aspects of love, compassion, generosity, um, you know, um, beauty, subtlety, uh, truthfulness, and integrity. And the human being uh, is not just this, you know, physical, you know, biological machine, but the human being is uh, a soul that draws from this universe of qualities, uh, manifesting them, bringing them into embodiment and, and and you know this is a human possibility this is this is can be lived experientially and doesn't require some supernatural belief right the the challenge is for those who don't choose or know how to be conscious you know that they let their uh, amygdala part of their brain their anger their hurt their their ego take over and not balance it out with that presence that's that's yeah. the challenge right it's it's absolutely a challenge and every one of us is vulnerable to that all the time yeah you know one way of 
saying this is that the toxicity of ego can ruin anything. It can ruin relationships. It can ruin. Uh, it's what ruins politics. It ruins religion. It ruins you know any field of human endeavor can be corrupted or made toxic by that um, false self that is living in either in fear or anger, um, you know, um, or in vanity. Right. But. Well, what I was going to say is, you know, if when I think about things about spirit and God, and I think everything is God, right? So even my ego was created for a reason, you know, and Mm -hmm. I mean, but I need to balance it. I need to tame it. I need to manage it. I mean, it has some, it must have some good stuff going on, (laughs) right? I mean, and because it, Otherwise, why would we have it? Absolutely. It has its purpose. purpose. And, uh, you know, one way to understand this is that the self is the, it's for manifesting spirit. Uh. It's, uh, without it, how would we be in relationship? But the, the, the essential thing is how can we beautify relationship and how can we, uh, in a way, transform that self into the the best it can be, the truest it can be, and maybe that's that's the point is to to grow, to keep becoming more conscious, and to to have the highest way of being able to manage that ego that is always going to be there, but to be able to nurture it like a child that has to grow up or something, <laughs> right? Something like that. Um, yeah, you know, if you look at, if you could, in Sufism, there's actually something like a road map for stages of the self, and if I could give it to you really quickly. Yeah, you have it in the book, too. Yeah, go, go through that. So, so, like, at the lowest, lowest stage of egoism, uh, the ego is trapped in compulsions and addictions, and it, it can't get out of them. At the next level, you begin to awaken some conscience, and you see your addictions, your compulsions, your inner slavery. You see it, you may not be able to do much about it. At the third level, the the battle between, let's say, the negative and the positive has been more or less won by the positive, and you're a healthy, more or less individualized self with, you know, you can function in the world, and you're a a good person. But you're not necessarily conscious. <coughs> you're not yet in presence. Right. So pre- presence is, begins at the fourth stage of the self's development, when you're not only a, you know, a decent, functioning self, but now you have this added quality of presence, which enhances everything. And we also, in Sufism, consider... <laughs> Uh, a fifth, a sixth, and a seventh, seventh levels, and, and the fifth level is when that conscious self that lives in presence actually begins to experience its, in a sense, oneness, hmm. something infinite, right. uh, with an infinite intelligence, with an infinite compassion, um, with the infinite. Let's just call it the infinite. And right. you be, you begin to get the sense that you. Somehow, what you thought was yourself, you begin to sense that it's somehow sourced in something greater than yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, that's almost a kind of enlightenment or, or nirvana in the Buddhist sense. Mm. Um, and then the sixth level is 
um, in Sufism, it's when you, having experienced that intimacy with the infinite, that being sourced in this infinite ocean of qualities and energy, that now you begin to voluntarily come back into the world and serve mm. and, and uh, make a difference, uh, but in a very new way than in, say, the third level, when you were doing it to kind of be a good person, but you weren't conscious, and you were still really functioning from your ego. But now it's very different. There's a freedom in it. There's a, a selflessness in it. And there's an awareness of that you're being supported by something rather extraordinary. Um, How many times do you have to come back and be reincarnated to get there? <laughs> <laughs> right? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, enlightenment. I read all these books on enlightenment, and uh, yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> don't, make it too, don't make it into that ultimate absolute as if it's only for one in a million people. Um, I don't, and I don't mean to bring, you know, to, to, to achieve an enlightenment, but I do want to say that what I'm describing here, as rare as it may be in today's world, you're meant to have it. We are meant to know it. Right. And we are, ca we are capable of it. That's the hopeful side of it. So, uh, in truth, that if we say we're sourced, and I'm just being very careful with my language, I don't need to use religious language. Uh, I'm trying to use a very existential, right. experiential language. Right. And, and in today's world, because let's, we can, in a sense, put religion aside and say this is about reality and this is about human possibilities. And higher consciousness, right? That's what it really is. And but, you know, believe it or not, do you believe that we are out of time? It's amazing. You're amazing. Yeah. I just want my audience to um, know that we remind them that we've been talking with Kabir Helminski, who is the author of this beautiful book, Living Presence, The Sufi Path to Mindfulness and the Essential Self. And can you just give your website, and then it's time to go. I can. Thank you so much. The website is simply sufism.org, S-U-F-I-S-M.org. Well, let's keep in touch, and we'd love to have you back again with your next book, okay? Thank you so much, Mark. Oh, thank you. Beautiful work. Thank you for, for yeah. inviting me. Yes, thank you. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. and visit our website at conflicthealing.com. Thanks. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. You gotta fight both night and day. Doesn't matter what some people may say. Don't be the lamb's cry, be the lion's roar. Cause love is worth fighting for, I know, yeah. Love is worth fighting for. Love is worth fighting for.